Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're excited to have Matt Rushing from Aggressive Negotiations and the 602 Club on the show. Matt, welcome. Hey, how's it going, guys? Glad to have you back on the podcast. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has been a little while, but uh, hello there. Hello. It's, 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 this will be a fun episode. I'm excited to review... I, it's it's been really nice to have the Clone Wars back. I know you're a huge fan of the Clone Wars. I I mean I am. Um, yeah, there there are very few things I love in Star Wars as much as I love the Clone Wars. I don't I don't blame you. It is it really is incredible. Well, it's um, nice to have the episodes back anyway. Even though I think we just have passed the halfway point. Yeah. Yes, uh, we that's are. A bad thought. I know. Yeah, I know it is. This is this is the half. This is a halfway point. We're now. We've now seen half of the episodes that are that are in this final season. Oh, yeah. What's of... cool is I think the only the best is yet to come. So yeah. that's exciting. Oh yeah. Totally no, agree it's... with you on that one. Like Siege of Mandalore is going to be. It's going to be nuts. I I'm sure of it. So it's gonna be it's gonna be. Great. I I I would put money on it being one of the best things we'll ever see in star wars really that, i think that hands high, down, i agree your, yeah i mean I, it would, does not sound high bar but me. yeah yeah and i think with this episode we're going to review tonight um it's a quiet episode it kind of you know the the first ahsoka episode was great like i said i gave it an eight this one definitely was a little bit quieter than that but i think at this point I think it's going to start getting a little bit more, you know, um, momentum going toward the end because the Pikes, I think, are definitely going to be more involved in the next episode. And if I remember correct, when they were showing previews, um, we might get to see Bo-Katan appear because I thought I saw a Pike behind her. Well, so, remember, I mean, remember, Maul did or he he did try to. Um uh, bring together the crime syndicates and stuff. And a lot of that did fall apart at the end of the lawless, but uh, right. I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, who, who knows what will happen. But before we get into that, Tom, do you actually want to tell us what episode our listeners, what episode we'll be reviewing tonight? Sure. Tonight we're going to be reviewing the clone wars season seven, episode six deal or no deal. This was directed by Nathan Villanueva and Stuart Lee written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray. So the synopsis for the episode is Trace makes a rash decision after learning what they are transporting for the Pike Syndicate. And in this episode, the Jedi fortune cookie was mistakes are valuable lessons often learned too late. Boy, was that the case in this episode? But we'll get to that when we get there. Yeah, so this, I think, you know, the Clone Wars, especially these these episodes really deserve to be watched like mini movies. And oh, you can absolutely. tell because this, it, it really does pick off exactly where the last episode uh, uh, left us. 
Um, Matt, since you were not here on last week's episode, I'd love to hear what are your thoughts so far on on this arc? Yeah, I think it's a really um, interesting arc uh, because, you know, obviously this is an an episode to help us bridge, um, you know, where uh, Ahsoka was right after leaving the Jedi Order and, you know, what will help change her and put her in a place to be able to go on towards the, um, you know, the, the Siege of Mandalore arc. You know, and, and there does need to be growth there, obviously, too, because, you know, why would she really want to help Anakin um, when he asks her for her help uh, for the Siege of Mandalore after what happened? You know, so I feel like there there needs to be some growth. There needs to be some movement in the character um, to have her come to a place where she kind of finds who she wants to be and who she's going to be outside the Jedi Order. So to me, it's an interesting uh, thing to explore and you know watching the the behind the scenes video um from star wars and them talking about how you know these two sisters kind of mirrored different parts of who ahsoka either uh was or could be is fascinating to me um and i also think what this does is it, as it moves us towards episode three you know because mandalore arc is going to play through episode three I think this really just helps us see just how badly this war has damaged the reputation of the Jedi and why people would be ready to blame them for all of the, you know, mistakes in the universe um, when, uh, you know, it's it said that they they attacked the Chancellor, you know. Um, and so uh, we see an undercurrent here um, in, in the lower levels of Coruscant alone and that doesn't even that's got to reflect what the rest of the galaxy is seeing because the Jedi are so involved in this war they haven't been able to do their job mm-hmm. um, and people have even lost the thought process of who these people are in the first place and what it is they do and all they see is war happening and the Jedi being a part of that and so I think that this is a really actually pivotal arc for moving us to that place you know just like the uh, the arc with the clones, I think, had a huge impact on uh, Rex. Um, you know, this is the arc that has is going to have a huge impact on uh, Ahsoka, so that we put them in that place to when you know we start the Siege of Mandalore. Those two characters, because I mean, I think Dave even said this when in some video or something he was watching, but you know, this is all about the two characters whose stories we didn't know when the Clone Wars started, um, the completion of those stories. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you know, obviously we know that they go on because of Rebels, but really this sets up who those characters are going to be um, by the end of this series and, and what path that will set them on then, you know, towards the Rebels series when we see them next. So I think... You know, both of these series are going to be, um, you know, really important once we have seen them both, and then in light of what we see, you know, in the Siege of Mandalore. So I think everything is meant to really work together here. Um, and I also kind of think I got to say, you know, I know some of the fans aren't super excited um, with this. This I think this episode arc so far, but I think that because we're just about to hit like rock bottom when it comes to what's about to happen to all these characters and the universe mm-hmm. in general, 
having a slightly more lighthearted, uh, you know, journey for Ahsoka to be on is kind of nice before everything hits the fan because yeah. Bantha Pudu is about to hit the fan, especially <laughs> right. for her. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, to, to have her go on, as, as they call Ahsoka's walkabout, I think it's just a smart idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're t- I think you're totally right. And, you know, as I think we say a lot, these ep- these this arc really needs to be watched like a movie. Because uh, I think taken taken standalone, the episodes can can start to show a little more. Uh, we can see that because they were written as a movie, right? And if it's like if you were to watch the right. first twenty five minutes of a movie and be like, meh, you know, it was okay. Like, well, well, hold on, you haven't, you haven't even seen finished the story yet. <laughs> you know, uh, you can't really make a call on the first twenty five minutes of the movie, just like you can't really make a call on just the first episode. And I think we start to see in this episode the story really pick up, and we start to learn more about. Um, we start to learn more about uh, the Martez sisters. We learn more about how Ahsoka is dealing with no longer being part of a Jedi, how she's seeing a different part of the galaxy or through a different set of eyes. Um, mm. And so it's a really, like you said, Matt, it's a really pivotal arc that will get us to where she has to be. Because if we just got into Siege of Mandalore, we'd be like, wait, wait, what? She's she's back? Or, or why, you know, she, we last time we see her, she walks away from the Jedi, and the next time we see her, she's, you know, bouncing right back to save him. It wouldn't make any sense um, from a, a character growth standpoint. Mm. Um, and we get some nice little, you know, nuggets in here. Like, we learn more about the Martez sisters' backstory. Um, we, we find out that, you know, the laundromat that it's kind of, I love that it is, it's a laundromat that's a front. It's very, well, it's a laundromat. Very classic. You know, we learned that like how how Rafa acquired it. We learn more about like the Mech Bay and how the Martez sisters' parents, I guess, uh, you know, they they split up and the sisters got it. It's unclear what happened to the parents at this point. I they, I was under the impression it just seemed like they left. Yeah, which That's is like how I heard it as well. They just yeah upped and left and <sighs> too bad, so sad. Apparently, they're really yeah. raised like raised parents, mm-hmm. like what kylo said about ray's parents you know and last mm-hmm. jedi no they legitimately just did that right they yeah just left their kid i kind of feel i feel really bad for the sisters in in that respect like that's a and, tough life and, and i was gonna say in that case you can understand rafa always drilling it in to trey saying look it's just the two of us it's just mm-hmm. the two of us it's the older sister making sure the younger sister stays at least on some kind of path and then if she strays off of it it's the older sister's responsibility to take care of the younger sister it's true. Yeah, actually, that's, that's a good point. Like, if their parents even left them, I could see how that would especially drive home, you know, why they can only rely on just the two of them. Yep. Um, it's very, yeah, it's... it's well, that was, that was one of the quotes that I pulled out that I thought was really good because the sisters are talking and they said, we can't count on anyone, so we count on ourselves. And, like, yep. that's, that's exactly what's happened to the entire galaxy in a microcosm. Uh, right there like the entire galaxy cannot rely on anyone else so they're just relying on themselves everybody's out for themselves and the you know the thing that obi-wan talked about all the way back in episode one when he says you know you're you're in a symbiont order what happens to one will happen to the other has completely been demolished in the entire galaxy uh and so i think that's something that's just really interesting that we see here um in, in that one quote with these sisters like they can rely on no one else but themselves and they're only in it for themselves because nobody else is going to take care of them because the jedi aren't there and so i just think that's really 
to me, again, that's what made that is making this arc really interesting is because we're seeing the other side of the galaxy that mm-hmm. doesn't have anything to do with the war, mm-hmm. but we're looking at the repercussions now of having this war go on for almost three years and what normal people's lives are like. Yeah, yeah they're affected by what's happening. I mean, you can even tell... You can see why the galaxy turned against the Jedi. Yeah, just just from these two sisters, you can see it, and because the Jedi just are not there, and even even Trey says it, I think in the previous episode, the Jedi wouldn't even be found down on thirteen thirteen. Right, and you can see that they're you know the people down there on level thirteen are also just so much less fortunate. Um, you know, like they Trace can instantly tell that Ahsoka has these great talents as a as a mechanic um and of course you know ahsoka she's not saying that she's a jedi and she says you know she went to the skywalker academy which is a, a nice a nice uh a nice reference there and i think you know what was it last episode she said she was trained by her big brother and mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's a, it's a, like you said it's a different side of the galaxy um, right and they don't even well, know it was also a great comeback it was a great comeback for trace to say she never heard of it yeah now it would have been very That's interesting yeah. if she said she did, even after she made a comment saying the Jedi would never come down to the, the lower levels. That just shows how out of touch the lower levels of Coruscant and the regular folk are out of touch with the war and are out of touch of the Jedi. Yeah. One thing I thought was interesting. Well, was it's like, interesting because mm-hmm. remember the episode three novelization? They talk about how Obi-Wan and Anakin are like heroes to the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it just goes to show that that part of that book at least here and the under levels of Coruscant is definitely not happening. Right. Um, of Kenobi and Skywalker. Their, their names are nowhere down here. Nobody cares, you know, right. so uh, nobody's heard of them. So I just think, again, that just makes for a really interesting thing for us to watch. Um, you know, how, how do normal people try to function? But then at the same mm-hmm. time, uh, you know, one of the things that we obviously were seeing with, um, uh, the the mall arc in season five where, uh, you know, organized crime was really bad. Again, we're getting back into that idea of like how organized crime has really been something that's taken off because the Jedi aren't around. And it really helps play into then kind of where we get into with uh, when we see Solo, you know, uh, and how powerful organized crime is with all of these uh, different crime syndicates doing their thing, which, you know. <laughs> Palpatine is all too ha- is is fine to let them do, you know. Right. So I really love the way that this again. It just it's not only building into this, but I think it's it's also building into um, the things that are to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and even Ahsoka later in the episode is very. You can see she's kind of disappointed that the the Republic hasn't come in and like shut down the the Pike Syndicate, and mm-hmm. the, the slave rings, and that sort of stuff. That we see uh, later I don't on. even know that it's, it's disappointment though. It's uh, she knows, mm-hmm. like she. Uh, I don't know. It's a level deeper than disappointment. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the moment where she's realized not just that the Republic has failed her personally, but that it's failed in kind of its overarching mission. Yeah, and and, and it's to a certain extent extent she feels it's kind of failed the galaxy as a whole. Yeah. And it should have gone in to take down, you know, the spice mines of Kessel because it, it was fascinating for Trace to sit there and say, you know, looking as they're flying over what she thought were droids, you know, she's like, wow, 
the the king or the prince has so much money that they could buy all these droids. And you could just hear, I wouldn't say the depression, but you could hear just that that thought in Ahsoka's voice going, those are people. Mm-hmm. And she knows it's like, you know, there's no way the Republic would get in there and shut that down. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it lets you know how corrupt, I mean, I know we jumped forward big time, but I mean, it, it right. just lets you know how corrupt that the Republic has become. And again, it lets you know that um, the Republic cannot do anything other than handle this war right now right. to see Kessel be this bad. Uh, and again, it just plays into how bad Kessel will be by the time we get to Solo, which it seems even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at least these people are working out, you know, outside. Everybody we saw there were working <laughs> yeah. inside. And it was just um, so I, I thought it, that was a really big thing because, you know, uh people still kind of trust the Republic to be able to handle these things because, you know, that's that's what, uh, you know, Trace says. Um, and yet they're not they're, they They can't. They, they right. have, they and they couldn't care even if if they wanted to right now because they have too many things. And specifically, it's the Jedi they have too many other things going on. Right. Um, and and we just see one more place where they are failing because they are so entrenched in this war. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why one of many reasons why the sisters only trust themselves. You know, I think their their parents failed them, the Jedi, the government has failed them, everyone has failed them. That they don't really have any friends. It's just the two of them. And you know, Rafa tries to take care of Trace. Uh, she. Whether or not she does the best job of that is uh, up for debate, uh, but she 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 the answer is no. Yeah, but she certainly tries. But, but you can uh, you can give her at least a little bit for effort. But yeah. it's the it's the decisions that she makes to try and and do right that you know it, it is kind of like in this episode. Ahsoka is almost like the conscience for Rafa and Trace in this episode. Almost, I, I would okay. argue. Definitely. I mean, there was that really interesting scene where Rafa confronts Ahsoka and it's, it's like, you know, point blank, like pointing her, her finger in her face. I know Very true. an angle. What's your angle? And, you know, do you, are you trying to get our, you know, our, our, their mech bay, the ship? Like what, what, what are you, what are you going after? And I was kind of thinking of it, like of all the characters in Star Wars, I think Ahsoka is the one character that doesn't legitimately does not have an angle aside from trying to help people and be a good person. Right. Um, you know, everyone else, even like, you know, all of the, the other heroes, Anakin and Obi-Wan, like they're all trying to like take down the, the empire or they, you know, Anakin wants to save Padme or everyone has some sort of angle, but I'm like, I don't really, Ahsoka doesn't really even have an angle. She's just a good person. No, um, that's a good point. Like I was trying to think like, yeah, is there another character in Star Wars even that doesn't have an angle? Some are, some are good angles. Some are bad angles. But I was like, ah, Ahsoka may be one of the few that, I don't know. Anyway, it's very interesting. Um, well, that's a good point. Yeah. Although I find it very funny when they finally get inside Trace's ship. I like the first comment where it's just like, you know, she builds a ship and what's the name? Silver Angel. And then you've got Ahsoka just like, Silver Angel? <laughs> to be fair, it's not a very good name for a ship. Oh, Good point, but you know, here's here's a person who's always wanted to fly, finally gets behind her ship, finally takes it out into lanes, and comes to realize, 
wait a minute. I'm supposed to have a pilot's license. I, I was supposed to have a pilot's license. You know, it, do a little research. Sorry. I thought I thought the dynamic of the sisters I, was really great. This episode. This I thought in that whole really, sequence it was great. Yeah, Stephen. I was gonna say I I'll we talked about this a little bit earlier. I think it just shows how out of touch they are when you're you know not on the surface of Coruscant. Correct. Like you're not part of the system that requires you to get licenses for things. You know, Trace flies when she needs to fly because that's just how you know stuff gets done. Yeah. yeah she it definitely makes me feel kind of bad for him. Yeah. Speaking of that scene, um, I love the Return of the Jedi parallels uh, where, you know, the, the Silver Angel takes off. And it's a great scene where, the, you know, the, the music starts to swell as they're leaving Coruscant. Great cinematography, and, too. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, of course, Trace ends up flying into a restricted area. Uh, which happens to be a military lane oh. filled with Ladites. Um And we even get an appearance from Admiral Yularen and Anakin. An older Admiral Yularen. It took me a second to realize that was him. But the voice is just so iconic. How yeah, could right. you, how could you well, not know? No, I, I know it's iconic, and I knew it was him, but when you see him on the bridge, it wasn't until the voice kicked in that it was Yularen. I'll have to. Uh, it's interesting because I I just watched episode four and he's looking much more like the Ularin mm-hmm. from you know uh, the guy sitting around the Death Star conference table. So uh, okay. I I really loved that they they took this opportunity to update his character because they really hadn't updated him much throughout mm-hmm. the seasons. It didn't feel like, but yeah. now it, you really get this this feeling like. And what I love is, too, like he's been in the thick of it so long. You know, you think about what happens to our presidents, you know, after they've been president for four years and how, you know, or eight years, the difference. Yeah, and, you know, you are in yeah. having aged. I, I love I just I feel like there's such a realism to that, that this has really kind of aged him. Um, so it was just really fun to see him like that. And then that moment of Anakin connecting with Ahsoka, I just thought it was such a beautiful moment of him to be able to say, no, it's nothing. And doing what he could. And in some ways I feel like just to take care of her, you know, cause he, he's, she doesn't, she doesn't want to, you know, to basically have anything to do with him right now. Um, but you know, he takes care of her in that moment because they could easily have, you know, tracked down that ship and arrested them and all that jazz. But, um, I just thought that was a great small little moment. And again, I think that that's one of those things where when you watch Siege of Mandalore and um, they're reunited, that's going to be a moment that has a big impact on that. So yeah. Anakin almost looked a little heartbroken and, and, and yep. sad. Like it was very bitter. Oh, yeah. When I it was great animation too. you could see it like on his face because it wasn't. And, and Matt Lanter, obviously, with the, the voice acting as well. But he didn't really say very many words, but you could tell. He he knew it was Ahsoka, on that ship. Mm-hmm. She and knew it was him too. She knew it was. I mean, him. you you and and it was it was almost like, in the look in her eyes, just like you could. It was almost like pleading, just let me go. Yeah, it's just oh, so so well done, and it it. it Do you? Yeah, Stephen. Sorry, I'll let you finish. Oh, I just it was just the whole moment was great. Uh, even like the a couple strings of Ahsoka's theme in there. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And even like, uh, you know, we talked about how it's kind of a parallels of Return of the Jedi when 
you know, Vader lets Luke go through, but um, as they're approaching Endor, but this was also kind of, we even got a, who is this? What's your transport number? (laughs) Just like uh, Han's boring conversation anyway, and a new hope. So, Uh, but but Steven, you 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 guys think we'll, is this the last time that Anakin and Ahsoka will be near each other? Do you think prior to, I guess their uh, encounter in rebels, right? No, I'm pretty sure well, we'll see him in. No, we'll see him in Siege of Mandalore. No, because they'll get yeah, his, Siege of Mandalore. Yeah, yeah, because he gives her was him, it, was he gives her his, her lightsabers back. Yeah, and doesn't he give her command of Rex's uh, detachment because they're all their helmets yep. are painted like her? I don't know. Yeah, I, we'll, I, we'll see that too. Maybe I'm misremembering. Yep. Yeah, but you're right. It is one of pro- maybe one of their you know one of their last encounters, not the last, but. I mean, at this point, we at this point, you could treat it as, to their knowledge, this is the last time the two of them are going to meet. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things where it's just like you, you're looking with that look in her face, just like, you know, master, let me go, and it's like that's when he realizes, you know what, I am gonna have to let her go, yeah, and get over this because she's moved on. I have to move on. He doesn't. He's not aware. He may see her again at Caesar Mandalore. It's one of the few times Anakin does let go of something. <laughs> that's very no, it's very true. And, also, uh, very true. Yeah, uh, but but you're right. You know, you, like you have to wonder what's been going through his head because he 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 hasn't seen Ahsoka potentially just a couple days at this point. I think um, maybe a week or two. But you know, she's been somewhere on Coruscant, and all of a sudden he feels her presence leaving the planet. And it's like he doesn't know where she's off to. If if he'll ever see her again, um, and he can't help her. Yeah. But he's still, well, aside from keeping her, her presence a secret. Correct. But as a master to a former apprentice, wherever she's going, he's come to the realization he cannot help her at this time. Yeah. He has got to let her go. Yeah. So I think the, the, the main crux of this episode is the, the, the job that Rafa got that, uh, to, to, to make it to do a delivery that she, you know, claims is mostly on the up and up. And, uh, uh, as, as Lando says, this deal just keeps getting worse all the time because one thing after another just comes up. I mean, first she lo- they lose their pilot. And so trace has to step in. What, what did you guys think of, of the, the dynamic here between the, the sisters and this, this whole job? It's definitely a continuation of the previous episode and that, not like Trace comes across as incredibly naive mm-hmm. and Rafa as well, but in a kind of almost, almost mean spirited kind of way, I guess is almost how I describe it. Like you just, you don't have great faith in the uh, intellectual prowess, I guess, of either of these people. Mm-hmm. So that was my, my main takeaway from uh, especially this set of conversations between the two. And then there's that little immaturity when it comes to Rafa, where she's just like, you know, Ahsoka kept asking, what's the job? What's the job? And Ralph has to sit there and whisper it to Trace. And you could just tell mm-hmm. there's Ahsoka behind her just like rolling her eyes. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, to me, one of the things that I really loved about uh, the, the the relationships here is, is you know, uh, Trace is, is definitely somebody who has been sheltered her whole, whole life. I mean, yes, yeah, she's lived in th- level 1313, but she has no idea how the wider world works, the wider galaxy works. 
and you know because of that has kind of a very big open heart mm-hmm. um, and it's just excited about everything which again kind of makes sense uh, and part of that is I think you know her sister has has tried to do a good job of of sheltering her from all of that as she has kind of descended into doing whatever it takes to try and make a buck and um, and in a way that's a slightly I would I would compare I was just thinking about this it would compare her to Han Solo in Solo a little bit mm-hmm. um, except that I feel like Rafa legitimately um, is getting herself involved in things she knows she shouldn't be involved mm-hmm. in and she's trying to hide it from her sister and Ahsoka at the same time <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and there is kind of a obviously you know she didn't want to hire her sister to do this job I don't think she wanted to have her sister involved at all she's trying to protect her sister so there's there's a nice thing there but you know Rafa has a naivety in understanding just how bad things are and how mm-hmm. bad people are um, and it's just really interesting because I, I see a lot of that solo Han Solo in her um, which is, is kind of interesting um, and yet and in fact, in some ways, I feel like if you were to combine both of the sisters, it's the solo character from Solo, um, because he's never thought of it. That you way. know, he's very kind of naive, mm-hmm. um, uh, and he he thinks he can make anything work, um, and that's kind of what happens when you put both of the sisters together. Yeah, um, uh, he's not quite as dumb. <laughs> yeah, in the sense of like, yeah, I agreed. You know, Trace dumping the spice. You know, Han would never have done something like that. You know, um, he's not that naive. Right. So, right. Um, but I just think it's really interesting. There, there's a real interesting parallel there between those characters. That's a that's an excellent excellent point, and I I really liked how, you know, at, at first Trace seems like, um, you know, it's like she knows what she's doing, right? She she runs this mechanic shop, and we first the Mech Bay when we first get introduced to her. She built the um, the Silver Angel by herself, or, or so she claims. She, you know, her sister was like obviously hesitant to to hire her as a pilot, but we think that that's because she just didn't want to get her involved in the more to the seedy side of her her job. But we, as we find out through the episode, she actually has no idea what she's doing. Right initially, she she claims she's the best pilot in the galaxy, um, but you know, we found out she's actually never flown in space before. Heck, she's barely even flown in the atmosphere before. It's just speeders, never never flown major ships. She, like, leaves the air brakes on accidentally. I love that. It's kind of like leaving the brake on in the car, yeah. you know? It's something that we've all done, and uh, it's a nice little touch. But, like, you know, she, she clearly doesn't even know what she's doing, and even later she continues to insist, oh, I've got the fastest ship in the galaxy, I'm the best pilot, um, and she just continuously... Um, you know, is 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 much more naive, much more inexperienced than she than she claims. But the fun, the thing I like about the character, there's almost like a joy behind her because even though she's naive, mm-hmm. when she's sitting there behind the controls of her ship, first time flying it in hyperspace, because I think she even mentioned that, hey, it's my first time in hyperspace. There's like this joy on her face, just like I'm doing this. Really? I, I'm like, I'm. It's it's like a great accomplishment for her. Huh. If she built that ship by herself, she's now flying this thing yeah that's the one thing i felt i that was kind of missing um so it's interesting is that you say that because i felt really? like it was it for her first time in hyperspace it didn't seem like there was enough excitement 
I don't know. Like there wasn't much celebration to it. Yeah. Well, that's true. But there was still, for me, at least for what I saw, there was a joy on her face as she was enjoying that part up until the point in which Rafa kept, you know, I think it was Ahsoka basically saying, you know, take her ship. And then she went down the wrong turn and just kept stressing. Nobody's taking my ship. And then that made her basically dump the spice. Yeah. But uh, but let, let's actually talk about the the spice now. We, we mentioned Kessel earlier, and this is uh, this is the first time we've seen Kessel in the timeline. We we saw Kessel in Solo, um, but it's really neat to see a different Kessel in the Clone Wars. Um, this was something I, I personally was I not expecting. I don't think it's different though. It's actually. Because I, I had the initial, the same reaction initially when you they arrive at Kessel and it's like oh this is a looks like a beautiful forested planet like I almost yeah, think that's, this might yeah. be like is this uh, Alderaan like why it looks very different than I was expecting mm-hmm. and it's because uh, and I say this in the nicest way possible Star Wars is not known for having uh, different complex biomes. planets associated yeah. with them mm-hmm. ah you're you're on Hoth that's the ice planet. It's a planet entirely of ice. Oh, you're on Kessel. That's the spice planet. It's a planet that's entirely a mine. Um, and I, I actually like this kind of break of pace of like, no, there's actually different parts of Kessel. And it, it helps demonstrate uh, in some ways why Kessel is such a horrible planet. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, this, is what they've, this is what they've done to the planet. Not only are they enslaving people to mine, but they've, they're strip mining it piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, one of the things I loved about, loved most about this version of Kessel. And that's why when I say different Kessel, I guess I mean different side of Kessel. Because I love how when we first see Kessel, just like all of us viewers are like, wait, wait, wait. This doesn't look like what we saw in Solo or what we've heard about, mm-hmm. in, 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 read about in the books and comics and everything for, for you know, decades, right? But... And, and and as they they meet the you know they go to the palace they you know they meet King Yoruba's uh, staff like it's all very different and very wrong and then we find out no 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 actually both both exist they're just different parts of the planet I loved that aspect and as you said Stephen it's not normally we get to see different biomes within the same planet. And so it's it's really I I loved it. I thought it was a, adds a nice depth to to Kessel that we just haven't seen so, before. And what I really appreciated when they went to the banquet when they showed up, they're in the banquet room room, and the major domo's like, you know, everything's great. Here's all the food. Here's all that. But it's watching the servants. The servants had their heads down. The servants were scared. When the servants dropped something, you saw the major domo kind of get mad, and they skitter off. So you could see that there is that undercurrent that w- that made this work for Kessel that, yeah, it's all beautiful and stuff, but there's that undercurrent. It's, it's not what it seems. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I love that. Go ahead, Matt. I love that whole thing with um, the two sides of the planet, right? Right. You know, you, you, uh, you see... Um, that there's this beautiful side and then there's this, it's like there's this heaven side and there's hell side mm-hmm. and there's no purgatory here, um, you know, for, for these servants. And, um, you know, like you were saying, Stephen, just the way that you see that they have been slowly destroying the planet, um, to make money off of it, to get this spice. And of course we also know they have coaxium there as well that they're mining. So this, this planet has just been 
heavily mined in a way that is is slowly destroying it. But at the same time, um, to do that, you know, they need a slave labor force to do it. And so there's this complete upper class, obviously, here on Kessel. And then there's the slave class. And it's just, um, it's one of the few places in Star Wars where we've truly seen uh, slavery at its worst. And I mean, mm-hmm. I noticed one of the things you see uh, when they go pick up the spice, you see a Zygerian. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it again, it connects back with something that we've already seen in the Clone Wars, that slavery is becoming more and more a thing in the uh, the um, the galaxy because the Jedi aren't there to handle it. And I think that's something that is... Um, it's really disturbing to see here. Um, and again, we're seeing how how this war has really affected the fact that the, the Jedi are failing in their mandate to mm-hmm. protect... Um, everyone, uh, and so, yeah, th- this this whole side of Kessel I thought was brilliant and and, and totally well done. And again, like you were saying, Stephen, absolutely one hundred percent to give us a more complex version of Kessel than we knew before. I thought was great uh, because I think uh, it also kind of makes sense, right, that there would be a place like this because you can't imagine people running Kessel also living like that you know so i think this really just fleshes out the whole thing in a really awesome way yeah do, do you think that the fact that we had we waited like seven years ago we solo wasn't out yet it wasn't even you know in in pre-production like they hadn't probably they had had no plans when they were they had no plans to make solo when they were originally making this episode and so i think it's actually kind of nice that seven years later they're able to align what we see in the Clone Wars with what we see in Solo. And if they'd come the other way around, I don't know if we would have gotten the same... I don't know. Would we have gotten... Do you think we would have gotten the same level of uh, cohesion between the two? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I I think who's ever going to be doing the movie at that point is going to do the movie the way they're going to want to do it. They're not going to go back... They may do some kind of reference, but I think they're going to do their own take on it and go from that point. And, and even John, well, I don't, I don't know about that because you, I know you know the the very first movie that that George had in mind, uh, even before he was going to sell, was Solo. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the movie that Disney kind of inherited that they were already working on. Mm-hmm. So you know, George might have already had that in his mind uh, in some ways. I mean. So, I, 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 yeah, I mean, it, like you said, William, it just becomes fortuitous that it all works out this way that we've seen Solo and now we're able to really use this and then add to what we've seen in Solo, which I think is really great. Um, and just kind of mentioning, we've been talking about Solo and think of um, Harrison Ford and that, um, you know, when when Rafa talks about, you know, looking for uh, fortune and glory, <laughs> all I could think of was the Temple of Doom. Yes. Um, and I love kind of that um, that process here because, in some ways, I feel like this this storyline kind of mirrors that. You know, they're on this journey that they don't really realize how dangerous it's going to be when they first get there. There's like, especially the sisters and Rafa specifically is out for fortune and glory, and she's brought these two other mm-hmm. characters with her, and they it just like you were saying you're making the joke earlier, Willman the 
the deal just keeps getting worse all the time. And they're slowly kind of descending into um, the hellscape that is, you know, the organized crime syndicate here. So it's very, in some ways, it is kind of Temple of Doomish in, in their journey. Yeah. And even visually, if you look closely when they arrive yeah. on Kessel, it's bright and sunny with beautiful clouds. And then after the And they banquet, went to a castle first, right, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then after the after the banquet though, um the the sky is dark. It's now night. And it's a little bit it's a little bit more gloomy. Uh more you can kind of see start to see a little more of like Ahsoka's growing concern. And then they go to the other part of Kessel and then it's just like, you know, a wasteland when it just mining and uh, uh dust and desolation everywhere and uh you know the 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 visuals align nicely with the um the situation our characters find themselves in uh, i also like speaking of different sides of of kessel we got a little more of a different side of spice as well um you know we all know spice is a hallucinogenic and highly dangerous drug in star wars but I liked how the Yoruba family of Kessel hides their operation by saying it's for medicinal purposes. Um, it, it makes sense. Just like a lot of other drugs can be used for mm-hmm. medicinal purposes, purposes as well. And and that's how they try to, they try to hide the whole operation under, Oh no, no, no we're just doing a, me- you know, taking some medicine. Uh, you know, it's not drugs, it's medicine. Well, wasn't, wasn't even stated at some point that once it leaves there, it's out of their hands what people do with it. So that's why they can get away with saying it's it's on purposes because, Hey, we're giving this to you to make medicine out of it. But once you get it in your hands, you can do whatever you want with it. Right. And that's how they try to, I think, stay above the the law as well. Like, Oh no, 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 we're, we're promoting health and happiness across the stars, you know? Uh, It was again, a nice, a nice different way of looking at it. It's not just like, yep. All of Kessel is a mining planet and, they mine, you know, they mine this highly addictive, dangerous drug, and they sell it. You know, it's well, like, and they're doing the same exact thing that that Rafa's doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's a part of all of this, and yet she's she's making excuses uh, mm-hmm. about why it's all okay. Um, and so, and and this is the thing again we were kind of talked about earlier is that we see the galaxy falling further and further into this. And really, it just comes down to everybody's just taking care of themselves, and they don't care about anybody else and the effects that their actions take on anyone else. So it, it's actually just a really sad state that the galaxy is in, that everybody is acting in their own best interests instead of the best interests of everyone. Um, and so we're just we're seeing many different sides of the same coin. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and everybody is is really not all that different in the end. Right. And so I think that's what's kind of interesting. Um, and again, I mean, honestly, that's kind of another Temple of Doom reference because Indiana Jones wasn't really all that different um, than the, the guys that he didn't like. Um, and mm-hmm. so uh, that character really has to grow. And mm-hmm. he becomes somebody who becomes more moral, especially as that series progresses. Uh, you know, where he has much more respect for the things that he's going after, uh, especially by the time, you know, you get to, uh, and I know people hate it, but by the time the kingdom of the crystal skull comes around, the guy has definitely learned his lesson about what to mess with and what not to mess with and why. So, um, you know, 
this is, is a really interesting lesson, especially for the two sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ahsoka trying to find her place in that. Like, how does she help people? You know, how does she mm-hmm. um, move forward when not being a Jedi? But how does she? How does she move forward in the galaxy? What is her? What is her mission going to be? What is? What is? Um, what is her life going to look like? Uh, I think is is really fascinating. So, you know, I, again, like I know some people have just not enjoyed this, but to me, it's a really interesting character study for the character of Ahsoka, but but also for for normal quote unquote normal everyday characters in mm-hmm. in the Star Wars galaxy. So, I I think a great thing that was brought up when they're in the ship, and it was Rafa looks at Ahsoka and says. You know, why do you, how do you know so much? How do you do, you know, you know this, you know that. And it's Ahsoka that says, because I, how does she put it? It's like, I'm observant or I, I know things because I basically am open to everything that's happening out there in so many words. Um, And that's what she's trying to get both Rafa and Trace to realize. It's like, look, I know you guys are stuck here in 1313, but there's more going on outside you as a whole that you guys need to understand. Sadly, Ahsoka cannot come and come flat out and say, I know it's because I'm a Jedi. Now that'll be interesting whenever that comes out that they realize she is that. Are they going to turn against her? Are they going to, you know, accept her? It may be in a situation to where they're going to need her to get out of it. I don't know. But that was interesting to have Ahsoka tell them flat out because I'm open to everything that's happening out there. I know what's going on out there. And she's trying to make the two of them do the same thing. They're not interested in hearing it at all. That's right. They weren't at all. No. It, well, and that was something like she she says it's because I pay attention to the world around me. Right. <laughs> you know, like Ahsoka is trying to get them to, to, to be able to perceive the world as it is, not the way they want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, ah- ah- Ahsoka, even though she's been topside, she's still she's learned to be very observant of the world around her mm-hmm. and and what and what it looks like and what it is and again you know obviously she's been all around the galaxy uh and so she's kind of gotten a chance to really see that but i, I think you know that's a great lesson you have to see the world as it is not the way you want it to be and that's something that you know these two girls really haven't done because they kind of been living in their own little world of how they want things to be and that's one of the things that's really getting Rafa into trouble with all of these people is because she I don't maybe think is really willing to accept exactly what she's getting herself into because she's deluding herself into thinking it's all going to be okay so yeah yeah and and, you know she she continues to delude herself and, and kind of ignore Ahsoka's warnings throughout the entire episode. And of course, Trace you know, looks up to her, her older sister and, and goes along with that. Um, but, but when Ahsoka finally, you know, they realize Ahsoka realizes that they're actually delivering the spice to Marg Krim, the Pike crime boss. Uh, she, you know, she, she states, she tells everyone how bad this is in, I actually, I really liked seeing Trace's panic as she, you know, it, she all of a sudden realized, I think it was, it was mostly about her ship really than anything else, mm-hmm. but she didn't want to lose her ship. Um, and uh, Rafa is furious about 
how you know Trace isn't she's not really a great pilot uh, and she's kind of regretting hiring Trace and Ahsoka doesn't like going on this job at all and they kind of get into this big argument and Trace just starts panicking and it was kind of a nice it's kind of neat to see even though she panics and makes the absolute worst decision possible <laughs> literally uh, the worst like yeah go ahead Steven <laughs> No, just I'm I'm reeling from the wow that was a really poor choice. Like, you we can call it the worst decision, but that that's really underdoing it. Like, literally the worst possible decision that Trace could have made. But the one thing it did do, it did have Rafa and Ahsoka agree on one thing throughout the whole episode that they could both agree on. That was the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did it. You know, again, we get this. We this. We get this great. Uh, we get this great debate, and it, there was something I really appreciated about this this scene, and that's that Ahsoka's plan uh, that she proposes before Trace dumps the dumps the spice. You know, she's like, "Oh, we'll just uh, you know donate it somewhere else, and and it'll be fine." And as I was listening to this, I was like, "Ahsoka, how does that solve your Pike problem? You still have to pay them." Yeah. And so I really appreciated how later, just a few minutes later in the episode, you know, and uh, they actually call Ahsoka on that. She's like, I hadn't gotten to that part yet. It was just an ethical debate, you know. <laughs> I, I liked how they, how they even acknowledged that and kind of cut off that, that complaint at the at the pass. It was really well done. It's good writing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you guys a question. Like, where do you see this ending? especially the relationship between Ahsoka and Rafa and Trace. Like, I feel bad saying this, but like part of me wants to see Ahsoka be like, you know what? Like I just, I can't be around people who are this uh, incompetent might be the word. Like, I don't know. I just, where, where do you guys see this relationship going? Ooh. I, that, that's a great question. It's put it this way. I am going to let the episodes decide. Um, I think the hardest thing is going to be, well, it's not the hardest thing. I think if anything, Trace is going to be the one, if Ahsoka were to say she's a Jedi, Trace, I think would be the one that's going to be a little bit more open than Rafa. Where it goes from that point, if it ever comes out, because in reality, when Ahsoka's sitting there looking at the Pike crime boss and saying, you will pay excuse me, but Trace isn't hearing this. Trace was standing right next to her. And it's just like, you're hearing Ahsoka say, you will pay the credits or whatever she was saying. And it's like, okay, you know, something's not anyway, but I, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see how this is going to end at, at the end of this arc. Yeah. I don't really have an answer to, to where I think it, I mean, I, I think, the, the the place it'll go is maybe Ahsoka helping set these sisters on a, a slightly more legitimate path, um, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 helping them, uh, you know, all of them have a, a a growth moments of you know kind of helping them see what the galaxy is really like and and the ways in which they could get themselves into huge trouble and end up dead, uh, and the ways in which they could they could help themselves by, you know, finding a more legitimate business in the end, you know? Um, and so, you know, 
I think all of this comes down to is, again, how does Ahsoka find a way to help people as she wants to do, but she isn't quite... Somebody might hate this analogy, but it kind of reminds me of, of Man of Steel at the very beginning when Clark is trying to figure out how to help people without them knowing that he has powers. Hmm. You know, and that's kind of Ahsoka's problem Good right point. now. Like, she's trying to figure out a way mm-hmm. to help people and not get blown for the fact that she has force abilities and, you know, uh, have to tell people she used to be a Jedi. Um, and so it, it's very similar in that sense to, you know, how do I live my life and do the thing that I know that I'm here to do in this galaxy, which is to help people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, that's a really interesting question. And obviously Ahsoka hasn't found a great way to do that yet in this first, you know, mission uh, on her own with other people because she is having to continually use the force to help save people. Um, and maybe that is going to be part of her journey, which is to find that I'm not a Jedi, but I'm going to use the abilities that have been given to me regardless of basically who knows, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, that's, that's really interesting to me. And so maybe that's kind of where the, the, the crux of the story is, is Ahsoka coming to terms with her abilities and what she's willing to do to help people. I, I totally agree with you there, Matt, and I, I hope that's that's where they, they take it with Ahsoka helping the sisters get on the straight and narrow. But I, I guess we'll we'll see. Um, but you brought up Ahsoka's use of the Force. We talked about this a couple times earlier. You know, Previously, she whenever she used the Force, it was very much um, like when, in the last episode, she used the Force when, when Trace couldn't see her at all. So it was kind of safe-ish to use the Force. But in this case, her plan to free them from the Pikes, um, regardless of how it actually turns out, is to just mind trick um, uh, Marg Krim and his his second, his lieutenant uh, named Fife to into basically just letting them go without payment uh, or pay- paying them and, and letting them go without actually getting the goods. Um <laughs> Thoughts on on Ahsoka's plan here? It's a poor plan. That's it was my, the only plan they had. <laughs> it's it's true. I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, it's the only plan they had. If they had the spice, it would have left them open a couple more ideas. But it's the only one they had. And I have to wonder, like, will, like, Rafa didn't really seem to question what happened but there's really no other explanation for why he would just let them go i don't know i i do wonder if this this will blow back on her later i would imagine that's probably going to blow back in the next episode because they never got away they got caught in the force field i mean the the tractor beam and also they had the uh, three guard ships in front of them so you imagine they're probably going to be thrown in cells and if they're in the same cell you know at some point Rafa's going to call Ahsoka on it. Something's some. It's got to come out in the next episode. Well, I mean, she already kind of did. She was like, "Oh, I love this." She yeah. said something to that effect yeah. Of, yeah. as they were, they were hopefully going to get away. So she realized what happened. I think. Um, oh, you think you think she knew I, it was I, the well, force? Yeah, I, I, I mean, 
how could you not? I mean, it's the same thing of Luke realizing what Obi-Wan's doing in episode four. He's like, what in the world just happened? That was crazy. How did you, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I, I, I would say if, there, if there's one issue I have with the episode here, this is this is the place because um, I think it's a little messy what happens here. I, I think the beat would have been better if Ahsoka's um, mind trick had not worked and they had just been captured then. Um, I think it makes a the, the problem is is that we've seen Jedi uh, specifically Obi Wan Kenobi be able to do this where he can mind trick somebody and everybody around him is affected, mm-hmm. and so. It, it just seems strange that, you know, and we've seen, I feel like we've seen Ahsoka mind trick people before as well. So we know she can do it. It just seems strange that she wouldn't then just mind the trick the guy, you know, who's coming after them. Right. She doesn't even try. And so it just, it felt a little messy here. And I think the better solution is just to, you know, um, take out. 30 seconds um, and just have them get caught because the mind trick didn't work and then be captured then instead of having this kind of nebulous mind trick and then it didn't you know we that it just didn't feel right the, the way that it came off I, to me um, it, it just felt like um, there was a cleaner way to do it mm-hmm. yeah both from an episode point and just Ahsoka's logic I have to wonder what what was did she really think they could escape the planet and convince everyone uh i know you, as you said sometimes they do convince everyone with a mic mind trick but eventually I, I feel like they would have to even if it was weeks or months later come to the realization wait we never got paid for this job you know um i, I don't know we've usually usually when people are mind tricked it's a short term just let us buy type of thing and not Oh wait, I was supposed to receive something and I never did. And even long term, you know, there could be other people there, other 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 members of the Pikes that were like, "Hey, where was that? Where's the spice we got that we paid for?" You know, and and of course, instantly the suspicion would go to Ahsoka and Trace and Rafa. And so I, I don't know. It was a, yeah, I'm not really sure. I fully understand Ahsoka's plan. She had to try something. I, and it seemed like this was th- this was this was the only option. But also realize when it comes to a force mind trick, isn't it the weakest minds it works on? It doesn't work on the ones that are strong. Or uh, in in the case of um, uh, it, it's only money or whatever. I God, I forgot his Watto. name. How can I? F- <laughs> well, Han- mind Hondo's don't one. Got me but, only money. Yeah, but 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 I mean that that's probably why it didn't work on the one is because his mind was not weak enough to actually just be susceptible to the force either way though but I, I uh-huh tom yeah no i was gonna say but but i agree i think i think now matt the way you brought it up it probably would have been cleaner if it was just cut off the last 30 seconds and just have them be caught right there yeah either way though i did appreciate how when they were trying to rescue i liked how they were coming to the realization they start like investigating the the bins and everything as the 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 boarding ramp is slowly going up and it helps build this tension as the boarding ramp is is slowly closing and they're they're the the pikes are starting to realize and and ask questions it was i thought that whole scene was just very well done um well this is where you need like uh han solo as a pilot who would have just gone to you know light speed right there you know yeah so 
Um, but yeah, I, you know, um, something else that kind of like bothered me slightly in the episode was like, where did the extra bins come from if they just <laughs> threw away all the bins in space? I was wondering that, that too. Seemed weird. Oh, I, I saw it. I think it was the second or third viewing when I saw it. The only thing that happened was the bins that the other bins were inside. Mm-hmm. The outside bins only went out into hyperspace. They opened the doors and the inside bins were the ones that went out. So the bins that were actually sitting inside the bay were carrying the spice inside. At least that's the way I've read it. Because huh. I watched the episode three times and that's how I read it. Those bins moved forward. The doors flipped open. The spice went out in hyperspace. Those bins came back and the doors went shut. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. good catch. I'll, yeah, I, 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 may, I may have to see it again, but that's yeah. how I saw it, I think, for the three times that I've seen it. Yeah. I, I did also find that the sequence where they were shot out into hyperspace, very interesting, just given, like, the speed at which they were going. I don't know, does, I guess, does hyperspace create a bubble around them where... Because if you're going at, the, at light speed, those those bins and the, the, the spice, as soon as you open them, they're gone. You're not going to see them nicely float behind <laughs> the ship. But, again, it's Star Wars and space physics are never... Hundred uh, percent accurate. <laughs> and it was visually very cool. It it worked for me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it was good. And I, I also one more thing about the whole sequence of the Pikes. I I enjoyed the parallels between Marg's I don't trust anyone who isn't a Pike and Rafa's comments about only trusting the sisters. Uh, right. Nice nice parallel there as well. So, so are we good for reviews? I I think we are, because uh, that's that's where the episode ends. They get they get caught in a tractor beam, and we're gonna have to wait for next week to find out what happens. So, and it's closer to being done. Tom, uh, would you like to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay, I enjoyed the episode. To me, it was much quieter than last week's. I'm giving this episode a seven. Um. And I'm just going to get right onto my Womp Rats. See, it really wasn't Trace who was the one that threw the switches. What they really should have done, they should have blamed the seven Womp Rats that snuck aboard. And it was the seven Womp Rats that released the spice into hyperspace. And then those seven Womp Rats could have been given over to the Pikes, and the Pikes could have done whatever they wanted to them. So I'm giving this a seven. Okay. Um. Yeah, I I really I enjoyed this episode. I I liked it a lot uh, more so than the the first episode, which I thought was again the, it was the beginning of the of the arc. Uh, we they introduced us to Trace and Rafa, but I felt like they uh, it was you know a little bit I don't know again it was more of a character development episode. This one I while they were certainly continuing to develop Ahsoka's character, I actually really liked the whole dynamic where they. Ahsoka's kind of along for this ride and she's trying to help with the sisters, but Rafa just keeps making increasingly poor decisions and not telling the whole, the whole story. And, um, Trace is just going along with it, thinking that she's like, you know, I'm a great pilot. I'll get This will work. I'll get out of anything. And she's very naive. And I thought it was just really well done. And especially as like, as, as the, the, <laughs> the situation just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I was like on the edge of my seat, like, well, what's going to happen Wow, they're on Kessel. This is so cool. Um, what's gonna uh, now that now the Pikes are after them? How are they gonna get out of the situation? And so, uh, by the end of it, I was I was really really enjoying it, uh, really into it. 
and so um, yeah, I, I think I'll give it uh, this an eight. Uh, sorry, uh, eight uh, eight, out of, eight out of ten, and um, yeah, it was just a it was a wonderful episode. I also really like the details, like when they land, the smoke coming out of the ship's vents uh, as they're on the landing pad. Little details that I don't know if we would have gotten quite the same uh, years ago uh, when they were originally making the series. Just again, just goes to show how much visually improved things are. So yeah, eight eight out of ten, Womp Rats and. My eight womp rats are, are the um, uh, they were they were there was an empty bin of spice and they were in it too and they got shot out into hyperspace unfortunately poor <laughs> poor womp rats <laughs> but no I I, I love this episode and I can't wait to see what happens next Stephen um oh man it's, I'm still I still struggle a little bit because I still feel uh, Rafa and Trey's almost come across as a almost too naive to me. Like, I don't mind, I guess, when characters make a decision. I'm like, that's a questionable decision. But when that's every single moment of the episode, I guess I find that a little on the more frustrating side. Um, so I, I found this one to be a little bit better than the previous episode in that respect. Um, I like that we're kind of off course on it and actually have a little bit of plot going. And I, I same way as you, and I enjoyed the kind of progression as they kind of got deeper and deeper into trouble kind of before getting captured by the Pikes. Um, I think I'm going to give it a six and a half out of 10, uh, Womp Rats. And, uh, like all good Womp Rats, you know, all six and a half of them are enforcers for the Pikes. It's how the Pikes do business and keep things running as you just, yeah, you put the ones in charge that really know what to do, which of <laughs> course are the Womp Rats. Of course. Matt, you're up. Man, um, I think I'm with you, William. Uh, I think this is, is 8 out of 10 for me. Um, I really appreciated us going to Kessel. I really appreciated what this was doing for, um, you know, what I mentioned earlier, the just the galaxy as a whole, kind of giving us an understanding of uh, the ramifications of this war, um, which I think is great. Um, I'm very interested to continue with the story to see where we're going with Ahsoka. Uh, the dialogue between everyone was pretty snappy. Uh, I also thought it was just interesting to see characters like the sisters who really haven't been out uh, in the uh, the the larger galaxy, you know. And so to see them try to deal with the, the that reality was fascinating to me too. Um, and you know, I, I I cut characters slack in that sense because I feel like we're so used to seeing characters in Star Wars who kind of know everything. Um, but, you know, these these characters in a lot of ways are kind of remind me more of some of the sequel characters like a Finn who just there's some real naivety to how some things work. And I think that that to me is interesting to not have characters who know everything about everything, you know, um, especially when you, you know, you have them up against a character like Ahsoka who does know so much more because she's had so many experiences throughout the three years that we've seen her. Um, and it just goes to show you how different she is from the character we saw at the very beginning of the series. So to me, that's fascinating. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I really uh, I'm enjoying the arc so far and I can't wait to see uh, where we go next. And so, uh, yeah. And, and so my my Womp Rats, unfortunately, were uh, they were they were on the ship and they had gotten off at the palace, you know, to, to go to. Uh, the the banquet and and unfortunately they were not really invited to the 
banquet because you know you don't invite womp rats to a banquet uh and they were sent to the spice mines of castle uh as uh as slaves so uh that is where they are now unfortunately and um well it's just not going very well for them so poor guys yeah poor unfortunate souls (laughs) good one Awesome. Well, okay. So, what do we have coming up, uh, William? Yeah, next week we have season seven, episode seven, "Dangerous Debt." And this episode, taken prisoner by the Pikes, Ahsoka and the Martez sisters attempt to escape. So, not a whole lot of hints there about what's going to happen, um, but uh, I'm I'm very excited. I think this episode has really picked up steam. Uh, this arc, and uh, I'm very excited to see what happens in the penultimate arc episode. So with that, Matt, thank you always for, for joining us. It's been so much fun to have you on the, on the podcast. We, we really enjoy having you with us. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Yeah. Your... Well, this was so much fun. You know, um, I appreciate any time to talk about, uh, something like the clone wars, uh, with you guys. It's, it's a real pleasure. So, um, yeah, thanks for so, so much for having me back on. Of course. I was glad we were able to get it to work. Uh, for those of you, for those who who may not know you, uh, can you you want to tell them where they can uh, where they can find you online and a little bit more about your podcast? It's a great one. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two. I'm in all of those places under that name. Um, and then uh, I've got two podcasts that uh, you know your listeners are probably interested in. One is Aggressive Negotiations. I do with uh, my good buddy John Mills. And each and every week we are uh, just talking about uh, Star Wars, um, you know, and so what that looks like is, you know, say last week um, we talked about our favorite cathartic moments in Star Wars, you know, (laughs) so uh, which was really uh, a great conversation. Um, So you can you can find us over on Aggressive Negotiations uh, anywhere you get your podcasts um, and we're the Jedi Masters on Twitter. Um, and then you can find me uh, doing the 602 Club, which is a, a general geek show where we talk about all of the fandoms that we love. We've talked a lot of Star Wars there, um, as well as just, you know, all the different fandoms that um, we appreciate. Uh, so we try to cover as much uh, of everything as we can. So uh, that's really fun. That's over on the Trek FM network. Um, and again, it's that's the 602 Club. Awesome. Well, thank you again uh, for joining us. Definitely everybody check out uh, Matt's podcasts and uh, we will be back next week with our review of Dangerous Debt. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.